Thanks, bud. Give our worship band a big, uh, big hand clap. They're awesome. I think this system down here makes it even better, though. My goodness, you guys sound good. You sound real good. Hey, Derek, can you just run this back on that hat? Thanks, bud. Alright, you guys doing good? Yeah. yeah! Awesome. Well, tonight, uh, I don't always just tell you the title of my messages. I always have them. Because I don't know why, I just, I like titles. So I like to give everything a title. So, tonight's title is Such Were the Exploits. Such Were the Exploits. How, do I, how many of you know what an exploit is or what it means? Just raise your hand. I don't even know what that means. All right, three people. That's good. Awesome. All right, so let me tell you. Let me find my, my page here. Uh, an exploit is an interest, uh, an interesting or daring action or achievement. A daring action or achievement. Such were the exploits, and you're going to see it right here. I want to read you a passage of scripture tonight. It's out of Chronicles chapter 11, verses 10 through 19. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. In fact, I've been reading it for the last several weeks. I love this passage of Scripture. So let's just kind of read it together. It's a little longer passage, but they'll be on the screen. I just want you to, to listen to this. These, these guys are awesome. Okay. These were the chiefs of David's mighty men. They, together with all Israel, gave his kingship strong support to extend it over the whole land. And as the Lord had promised, this is the list of David's mighty men. Uh, Jash, I, I'm going to mess up these names, that's okay. Jashoban the Hakmonite was chief of the officers. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed in one encounter. Stunned. Alright. Next to him was Elazar. I love this guy. Elazar, son of uh, Dodai. Everybody say Dodai. Dodai. I'm going to name my next kid Dodai. Whether it's a girl or a boy, I'm naming him Dodai. Hey, Dodai. Dodai. Okay. Next to him was Elzar, son of Dodai, the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men. He was with David at Hasdamon. It's the only time you can say Dan is right here when you read the scripture. Dan. When the Philistines gathered there for battle, at a place where there was a field full of barley, listen to this, the troops fled from the Philistines. Talking about Israel. The troops fled. I mean, they said, I'm getting out of here. They tucked tail, they turned, and they ran. So the, the, the troops fled from the Philistines, but they took their stand in the middle of the field. They defended it and struck down the Philistines, and they struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Eleazar, this guy, saw David not running, not giving up like the rest of the army. He goes to David's side, he stands with David, and they defeat the Philistine army. Those guys are studs. Those guys are studs. Alright? Three of the thirty chiefs came down to David. This is like his mighty three. There's thirty, then there's the mighty, there's the three. And the three of the thirty chiefs came down to David at the rock, uh, to the rock at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Raphim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone, he's just kind of thinking out loud to himself, Oh, that someone would give me a drink. 
of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three, the three mighty ones, broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink, and instead he poured it out before the Lord. God forbid that I should do this, he said. Should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? Because they risked their lives to bring it back, David would not drink it. And it says this, Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. These three mighty men are just awesome to me. I'm going to read another passage here in just a second. Shorter passage. These three mighty men are awesome. I mean, these three guys helped David establish his kingdom. These three guys helped David carry out God's will. Alright? They weren't the only ones that came to David when he was... Remember, this is... You know, David was in the wilderness. He was fleeing Saul. was trying to kill him. And then Saul dies. And then these three are helping David advance to become king of Israel as God has anointed him to become king. I mean, they trusted God. They knew that. And they're helping David do this. And, and later on, just the, just the next chapter, listen to this. Some Gadites. Everybody say Gadites. Maybe, that, maybe I should name my kid Gadite Godite. Maybe that'd be his name. The Gadites defected to David at his stronghold in the desert. Chapter 12, 8 through 14. Check this out. 8 through 14. These Gadites were army commanders. Army commanders. The least, the least of these was a match for a hundred. And the greatest of these for a thousand. It was they who crossed the Jordan in the first month when it was overflowing all its, blank, all its banks. And they put to the flight everyone living in the valleys to the east and to the west. Other Benjamites and some from Judah also came to David in the stronghold. Am I supposed to that? No, that's good. That's good. Yeah, start verse 8. Oh, no, I did Let me read that. I, did, I just gave you that, like, punchline there. Let me, let me read it all to you. Some guys defected to David at a stronghold in desert. They were brave warriors, ready for battle, and able to handle the shield and spear. Their faces were the faces of lions. And they were as swift as gazelles in the mountains. I mean, these dudes were amazing. Ezar was the chief. Obadiah, the second in command. Elab, uh, Mishmana, Jeremiah, Ati, Elel, uh, Johanan, uh, Elizabeth, Jeremiah, Machpheny, the 11, these Gadites were army commanders. I mean, there's, there's 11 of them. There's 11 of them. 11 guys. The least was a match for 100, and the greatest for 1,000. I mean, whoop. I mean, where did these guys come from? <laughs> I mean, they're amazing. Can you imagine one guy going into battle, taking on 1,000 people, taking on 1,000 other soldiers, other warriors? I mean, these guys were awesome. Well, as we read that story, we have to ask the question, what does it take to accomplish great exploits for the kingdom? Remember, an exploit is a daring action or an achievement. What does it take to accomplish great achievements for the kingdom? Because every one of us has been called to do that. Every one of us, God has a plan and a purpose to do those things. So what does it take? There's three things that I believe it takes to accomplish great exploits for the kingdom. Number one is passion. You have to have passion. 
passion for the things of God. You have to have this desire to know Him, to know His heart, a desperate pursuit to know what He wants to do. What he, wants, where, what he wants you to do, where He wants you to go, where His Spirit is leading. I mean, a passion. A passion is about this radical pursuit of God. It's a passion for Jesus. It's a passion. It's a longing. It's a hunger. It's this passion for the things of God. A passion for the things on His heart. I mean, it's this passion that they just, it's grasp. It's a passion that they have. Here's some synonyms for, for passion. Fervor. This is, what, this is what passion is like. Fervor, enthusiasm, obsession, excitement, infatuation, zeal, craze. I mean, what's it mean to craze God? You've got this craze for God. Do you craze God? Does every part of your life just craze for the one true living God? Do you want him more than you want anything else? Do you want him more than you want that girl in biology? Do you want him more than you want to be the best Call of Duty player online? I mean, what's the? I mean, what do you craze? What is it that just consumes you? Consumes your attention? Consumes your time? I mean, what is that? See, man, if we're going to do great exploits for the kingdom, if we're going to accomplish great things and achieve great things, then we've got to have passion. God That's got to be what we are all about. These guys, these, these David's mighty men, and they have passion. The definition of passion is the object of somebody's intense interest or enthusiasm. The object of your interest. What is it that interests you the most? What is it that you desire that grabs your attention the most? In order to accomplish great exploits for the kingdom of God, you have to be passionate about Him and passionate about His heart. Second thing that we learned, I think, from that passage of Scripture that we need to possess in order to do great exploits is courage. We have to have passion and then we have to have courage. The definition of courage is the ability to face danger, difficulty, uncertainty, or pain without being overcome by fear or being deflected or being you know, deflected from a chosen course of action. Let me read it again. I want it to sink in. Courage. What courage is. The ability to face danger, difficulty, uncertainty, or pain without being overcome by fear or being deflected from a chosen course of action. Just because the enemy comes at you, just because the enemy comes to intimidate you, just because the enemy comes to tempt you, to get you off track, it's like, man, oh, I'm not budging. I'm steadfast. I'm going after God. I got this crazed look in my eyes. I've got tunnel vision. God's in front of me. Nothing else matters. I'm going after God. The, the enemy can, can, can try to bump me off just like those guys in the football practice and you're running the coaches, hit you with those pads and try to get you off track. Man, you just run right over. You run right through. That's what crash is all about. That's what our fall retreat's going to be about, all about. That's what our vision for this year is all about. When you talk about the rhino, you talk about crashing. You're just talking about going like a, a, a body of teenagers, a body of students just focused on God with a crazed look in their eyes, running hard after God, and nothing is going to stand between them and the task at hand. Nothing is going to stand between them and what God has called them to do, which is to bring revival to a generation, to, to, to bring revival to your 
different schools, to minister to your friends, to preach the gospel, to see and get saved. And you hold on, I want you to look at the mirror. You have that praise look in your eyes. And think about David's mighty men. And if you're a girl, pretend they're a woman. David's mighty women. Maybe you should be that. I don't know. That's my mind. I don't know. That's just my mind. Alright, so courage. See, when you have a heart set on God, you better watch out because He's going to ask you to do stuff. When your heart and you've got that crazy look in your eyes and you start having tunnel vision and God's in front of you and nothing else matters and you just want more of God, you want to accomplish what God has for you, the plans He has for you, the purpose He has for you, you better watch out because He's going to ask you to do stuff. All of a sudden, man, you just elevated yourself. Man, you're just, you're just ready for what God wants. So, oh, man, He's ready. That dude is ready. I'm going to move through Him. I'm going to do crazy cool things through Him. I'm going to, I'm going to, see, uh, I'm going to see lives change through Him. I'm, I choose God chooses to move through those who are focused. Those who have the grace. Look at that. Those who are running hard after God. That's who God chooses. That's who God moves through. It's like you're on his team. He's the coach and he loves his players and he wants to see them grow and he wants to see them excel and he wants to see you win. And the great thing about it is, unlike a coach, he's going to empower you. He's going to get in the game with you. He's going to be your strength. He's going to be your power, and you're going to do it. That's the great thing about God. There are even times that God's going to ask you to do stuff that's hard. Okay, God is going to ask you to do stuff that's hard. It's not going to be easy. I mean, when you go to football practice, and you start camp, and you got two days or three days, it's not easy. I see all those marching band people out there for like eight hours a day. That can't be easy. I know you're just marching around, but that can't be easy. That would wear me out. Okay? I mean, it's, God's going to ask you to do things that are not easy. Some of our frontline students, that you guys know about this already. That we've asked you, we've challenged you, hey, you need to go. You need to invite five people to Friday night. You need this week to, to minister, to witness, and preach the gospel to these three people in your school. You know, this week, you're going to make a video of yourself, and you're going to post it on Facebook, sharing your testimony. I mean, these things are not easy sometimes. It's not going to be easy when God says, hey, I want you to go pray for that person in the wheelchair and believe by faith I'm going to heal a little awkward sometimes, especially in a movie theater. <laughs> you know, remember that? I did that. You know, it's just it's, it's awkward sometimes. Like, you know what, God? I, you know, it's not about me. I'm just going to be obedient. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to do it. God is going to ask you to do tough things in life. They're not going to be easy. You have to say, God, God, whatever you want. God, I'm here. God, I'm focused on you. I got this crazy look in my eyes. I know you want to accomplish good things through my life, God. We gotta ask you to do something. Something a little crazy, something that's hard. You're gonna have to take courage and trust God with all your heart and just go for it. I'm sure Elazar, son of Dodai, didn't think it was gonna be easy when he decided to take his stand beside David alone in a field against the entire Philistine, uh, Philistine army that was coming at them. That probably wasn't going to be easy. It wasn't going to be a cakewalk. But you know what he did? And he took a stand. And he trusted God. And he trusted God's plan for them. And he trusted what God wanted to do. Because God had already revealed his plan to them. And he's like, 
When God's for us, who can be against us? And he took his stand and they defeated the Philistine army. He took courage. He stood by his friend. He did what God wanted them to do and God gave those two men a great victory. I'm sure Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, he didn't think it was going to be easy when he took Moses' role as leader of Israel. I'm sure it wasn't going to be easy. And it wasn't, it was going to be Joshua's task to lead Israel into the promised land. And when it wasn't just, hey Joshua, I want you to lead these two million people here, just over that river, into that land over there that I've already promised I'm going to give you. I mean, it wasn't that simple. He said, oh, by the way, Joshua, there's already people living in that land. You have to go over there and you have to wipe them out. You have to wipe them out here, 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 over there, back there, back there. Oh yeah, you're going to be at war for about 40 years, Joshua. But this is what I'm calling you to do. I'm sure it wasn't easy. That's a big responsibility. Let me read to you what God told Joshua after he asked them to do this. It's in Joshua uh, chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you. Or the land I'm about to give them. The land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon to the, and from the great river to Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. That's a big area of land that you're walking no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Man, he's giving Joshua some great encouragement here. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Verse 6, he says, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous, Joshua. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, Joshua, you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord God will be with you wherever you you go. So these mighty men that fought with David, they were passionate. They were passionate and tell you what, they were courageous. And Joshua was courageous. And God told him three times, because when you gotta think about it, you're gonna be at war for 40 years, and you're gonna be kind of a little depressing maybe. <laughs> but Joshua was strong and courageous and did what God asked him to do. I've seen it in you guys already. I've seen it in the last couple months. I've seen it as students have made sacrifices, as students, uh, some of you, uh, made sacrifices and raised money to purchase chairs, So, which represented lives of students every week that don't know Jesus are going to be sitting in those chairs. I've seen students sacrifice a lot. I've seen students raise over $300 on their own to put towards that. 
I've seen several students for, uh, do heart work projects because God told them to and God began to put on their hearts about the orphans and about people who don't have clean water and, and just different things that they just began to sacrifice and raise money for and, 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 and do what, they, what God asked them to do and God provided and God, uh, God you know, empowered them and they did it. I've seen you guys begin to do great things. I've seen you guys take courage and what God has asked you to do and do it. The third thing, the third thing that we see from this passage of these mighty men that were with David, the third characteristic is obedience. They were passionate, they were courageous, and they were obedient. Definition of obedience is the act or practice of following instructions. How many of us have screwed that up before? The act or practice of following instructions. Complying with the rules or regulations or submitting to someone's authority. Alright, if you're going to accomplish great exploits for the kingdom, you absolutely have to prepare yourself to be obedient no matter what it costs you. You have to be obedient. Because obedience is so important. Obedience to what you already know you should do, and obedience to what you know you shouldn't do, and obedience to the call of God, to the sound of His voice, when He impresses upon you His plans, His desires, what He wants you to do, from the, from the greatest thing, like, hey, I'm calling you to be a missionary. I'm calling you to preach. I'm calling you to knock over your stand. I'm calling you to, to do whatever, to the smallest thing. Hey, I'm calling you to go pray for your friend. Hey, I know, you see that person sitting over at the lunch table by themselves? Hey, I'm calling you right now. God impresses on your heart. I want you to strike up a conversation. I want you to be in the ministry of them. <clears throat> Don't worry about what to say. I'll give you the words. Just go. Just be obedient. From the smallest things to the greatest things. And let me tell you something. There's a spiritual principle I learned long ago. When you're obedient and faithful with the little things, God will start giving you great things. God will start opening doors. God will start trusting you more with the big things. You've got to be obedient. Be obedient with the little things. And God will use you to do great things and accomplish great exploits. When he asks you to witness to your friend, to minister to someone, encourage them to pray, to lay your hands on the sick and ask for the impossible, to stand and take a stand for your faith when your classmates, your friends, they might laugh at you or make fun of you, to stay, uh, <laughs> to stay when he says stay, to go when he says go. Obedience to the visions that he gives you. It's like this unrelenting resolve to see what God is showing you become a reality. Whatever God has given you, the visions God has given you, the things He's putting on your heart, man, don't you just want to see that come to reality? You want to see that. Witness it. Obedience. You know, I think of our probably students that all of them have got just some great focus and they're doing some great things. And I know some of you that maybe uh, couldn't commit to front line because of different things. I know some of you are just doing awesome things for the kingdom. But I know, and I know we've had Kayla up here. You've heard Kayla read that thing. But man, when she talks about, yeah, I'm going to specifically, God gave me, you know, a hundred people that I want to see come to Christ in my school this year when she says that. When she says, man, God gave me a vision, like a pep assembly, her whole school and her school gymnasium, and she was given the opportunity to speak, and that she was going to speak the gospel, and she was going to speak what God's done in her heart, and she was going to be a testimony 
for Jesus Christ. I mean, that type of stuff. When God gives you that, man, it's like, it's scary at first, but man, you've got to take courage. You've got to be waiting for that opportunity. God, I know you've shown me this. I know this is what you want to do. God, I'm just waiting. <clears throat> keep him focused. I'm keeping that crazy look in my eyes. I'm focused on you. And God, when you open the doors, man, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready to do that. It's obedience. It's obedience. So it's by your passion, your courage, and your obedience that the heavens, the heavens are going to thunder, the earth is going to shake, mountains are going to bow, the nations will come to acknowledge Jesus Christ. You have to lead the charge. You, don't miss this, you are the movers of the kingdom. You're the movers of the kingdom. God chooses to move through you. He doesn't move on his own. He moves through his people, through their prayer, and through their action. He moves through people. So don't ever stop. Like I said in my prayer, don't ever live idle. If a car is in park and it's just idling there, where's it going? Nowhere. All it's doing is getting sucked dry. Just sucking the gas dry, and you're not getting anywhere. That's what happens when you have idle time in your life. When you're not totally focused on God, and you don't keep yourself busy, and you just have idle time, and you're like, oh, I'm not going to worry about my God time. I'm not going to worry about you know, getting in His presence. I'm not going to worry about uh, uh, reading my Bible. I mean, you're just sitting back idle. That's when the enemy's going to come, and he's going to suck you dry. It's really hard to do great exploits for the kingdom when you're dry. When you have no fuel, when you're sitting in the park, when the car is just idling, you got to put that sucker in drive, you got to floor it. If you're in driver's training, don't do that. But you got to floor it. you got to go after it. you got to punch it. I think in my motorcycle, when I used to have my motorcycle, I've never told you this before. I could hit 70 in first gear. I mean, that's how I want to run this Christian life. And I know the Bible says we got to pace ourselves and all that other good stuff. We do. We have to pace ourselves. It's a long race. It's a lifetime race. It's not a sprint. But man, I want to go hard. I want to just put that throttle and go. Go after God. So don't stop. Don't ever live in idle. Idle time is Satan time. What do I say? Idle time is Satan time. When you're idle, Satan will dictate that time for you. He will influence what you do with that time. Right, you can't live in mediocrity. You can't just go with the flow. As young men and women of the faith, you create the flow. You don't just go with it. You create it. Heaven moves through your movement. Heaven moves when you move. Right? You with me? Okay. Now, I wouldn't be a good youth pastor if I didn't model for you what it means to be passionate, courageous, or obedient, would I? I mean, if God spoke something to me and asked me to do something, I'd be a terrible youth pastor if I said, no, God, we're not. Would you guys want me to do it? If God spoke to me, specifically asked me to do something, would you be disappointed if I did it? I wouldn't be a good youth pastor if I did So this brings me to some of the stuff I didn't talk to you about. About one month ago, we got a call from New Life Church, and they asked if Holly and I would become the youth pastors 
there over the sea behind you. like this gut-wrenching time in our guts and our stomachs and we wrestle and we wrestle and we pray and cry. But without a doubt in my mind, I know that God has opened this door and asked us to walk through it. see my heart. But I have to live this out just like you do. But sometimes God asks us to do hard things. You make hard choices and hard decisions. Decisions sometimes that break our hearts. I know this is what God wants us to do. We've accepted that position. you know, Holly and I, we're not looking. We don't want to go anywhere. We're perfectly happy. But sometimes God changes your plans. And uh, I tell you what, don't you dare quit. You've got a great relationship with your life. We've been going there for five years. I mean, this youth ministry knows all about my life. And I tell you what, man, I... I will know what's going on here. <laughs> and, I, and, and if I have to call you and kick you in the butt, then I will. Um, remember, we're in this together. This is not a, it's never been a church, a church thing to me. It's been a generation thing to me. And uh, if I can share my heart with you, one of the, one of the reasons we, feel like we need to go with it. feel like God has given us this opportunity to have influence on a national level. To really impact a nation, a generation. And I want to, I want to, I want to see, I want to see a nation mobilized. I want to see churches all over the country mobilized to see revival come. That's what we all want. That's why we're in this. That's why we're working hard towards this. That's why I've pushed you and pushed you and made you do ridiculously crazy things and swimming with sharks and crawling through caves and whitewater rafting and all that other crazy stuff because I want you to say yes when God asks you to do something big. This is big to me and I have to say yes. And God's going to ask you to do I would be disappointed if you did not say yes. You say yes. You go after it. Now, uh, in the future, or in the near future, uh, Aaron and Matt and your leadership team will be leading the ministry. And I want you guys to put your faith in them just like you put your faith in me. Aaron and Matt have been with me for nine years, step by step, side by side. 
They know where you're going. They know what you're doing. They know the vision at hand. You guys are not going to miss a beat. You're not going to miss a beat. I want you to hit 10,000 strong. You hit it. Go for it. You don't stop. Because I'm not going to stop. And I don't want you to stop. You go after it with all your hearts. I know you will. If you didn't, I'd be pretty bad you pastor. <laughs> you didn't carry on your vision. Guys, remember, this is not my youth ministry. I've told you that for years. This is God's youth ministry. You belong to God. You belong to what He's calling you to do, where He's calling you to go. And I know that this vision, 10,000 strong, is for you. It's for you. It's for this ministry. And I'm going to see you. And I'm going to almost be like Moses. You know how Moses didn't get to see the promised land? I'm really ticked off that I'm not going to get to see Friday night's hit a thousand people this year. But man, I'm going to leave you to it. And I'm going to be right there in spirit with you. And I'm going to be praying for you. And I'm going to be praying for your leaders.
And I know that as Pastor John has already said, he doesn't want you to let down on the vision for 10,000 strong. So we want you to continue to go for it. We want you to continue to go for it in your schools and in your personal life. Listen, God is good and God's got a plan. There's a, there's a verse in Jeremiah chapter 29 that says, I have a plan for you. And that goes for every one of us by name in this room. And God has a plan for Element Student Ministries. And God knows the future. And just think of it. It is so cool to be able to look and to say, you know, John and Holly, you know, if, if God uses them at a national level, that's going to be way cool to say, you know what? They were with us for nine stinking years at the woods. And they were great years. And God opened our hearts and opened our minds to new things and new truths. Okay? So I know there's a lot of things that buzzing around in your minds tonight. Moms and dads have got questions and things of that nature. We're not going to take questions tonight or anything like that. But I just want you to know that I want you to join us and join the staff and join moms and dads as we celebrate. You know, we'll work our way through the sadness. Lots of hugs, lots of tears, lots of crying over the next few weeks. But let's celebrate also what God has done through this great couple who has lived have lived out what John talked about tonight. They've lived before you with passion. They've lived before you with courage. What's the thing? And, 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 now they're, and now they're being 100% obedient to what God wants them to do. And that's exactly what John and Holly have asked you to do over the last nine years. So we're going to ask that you continue to live passion, be courageous about the future, and be obedient to God in your life. Amen? So, I, Holly, could you come up here just for a second? I think it would be very, very appropriate. John, come on over here, buddy. You know, um, why don't we just do this? They're, they're going to come up here, and I don't want you to cry all over them until I'm out of the way, and then you can cry all over them. Come on over. But you know what? Maybe you guys just want to get out of your seat and just come and stand around us. I'd like to have a word of prayer for them and for the future of Alabama, okay? Give them hugs. Tell them how much you love them. Join us up here around this altar, okay? Just come on. Those of you that are in the back, uh, just lift your hands up toward John and Holly. be cool. And let's pray a prayer of thanksgiving and a prayer of faith. Father, tonight, Lord, as tears are being shed and hugs are being given, I want to say thank you for John and Holly. I want to say thank you for their years of ministry here. I want to say thank you that, Father, so many kids have come to faith in Jesus Christ and lives have been changed and destinies have been changed because of you using them. And now they're going to be courageous and they're going to be passionate and they're going to be obedient to what you're asking them to do. And Father, help us to know that when you ask a young couple to make a move like they're making, it's not easy for them. But it's, it's really a step of faith. And it's taking all the courage that they have inside of them to say goodbye to kids and moms and dads and leaders that they love. So, Father, we just pray that tonight and in the weeks to come, before we say goodbye, and they can take that movie van and they can travel the thousand miles to Colorado Springs. That you, in so many ways, would use these students here tonight to bless them, to honor them, and to encourage them. So, Father, I pray your blessing on John and Holly and the boys tonight. As they prepare for this move, as they prepare for this new ministry, prepare us for the future, what you have for us that lies out there. We don't know what it's going to look like, but we know that you're in control, and we trust you, and we believe in you, and we here 
are going to walk by courage and walk by faith. And we're going to be obedient to you. And we're going to continue with passion for you. So, Father, help us to see 10,000 strong. And help us to continue on in Elements Group Ministry. So may your blessing rest on John, Holly, and the leaders of this ministry, and these students in Montevideo, we ask these things in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So why don't you just hang and give them some hug and some love to them, okay?